Wondering what's next in your business or personal life? Welcome to Success to Significance, Life After Breaking Through Glass Ceilings, a podcast dedicated to helping you with all of life's challenges, discoveries, and opportunities. Whether you're seeking a new career, retirement, or simply wanting to make an impact in your community or the world, join Jen Duplessis and her guests as they explore how to start, what to do when you're in the thick of a change or growth, and how to leave a mark in this world after breaking through your next achievement. You are moments away from the aha you've been seeking. Hi, everyone. It's Jen, and welcome back to this episode. I am so delighted to have our guest with us today, Jude Morrow. And I met him on Clubhouse. Here's another Clubhouse podcast connection. I'm absolutely loving Clubhouse as long as I'm doing it strategically and not hurting myself by being swallowed in by it. But Jude, welcome to the show. Happy to have you. Thank you so much, Jen. I'm really, really delighted to be here. It was lovely to meet you on Clubhouse. And I've been so excited to continue our conversation off the app. And I'm really glad that we've met. Yeah, me too. So let me give you Jude's bio so that we can have this wonderful conversation here on success to significance. And really, this is going to be about breaking through glass ceilings. There's no question about it this particular episode. So hang in with us. Very interesting information. And if you're in business, And we now know that we have multi-generations in our workforces, right? We've got five generations working all at the same time and never before we had this. But wait till you hear about Jude, because we also have a unique spectrum of individuals as well. We were filled with tons of different personalities, but what he talks about and what he is sharing and making an impact in the world is really, really very special. So let me tell you about Jude. Jude is an autistic author social worker, motivational speaker, and advocate for all things autism and neurodiversity, which I've never heard of, and I can't wait to understand what it is. Jude is the author of the globally acclaimed, Why Does Daddy Always Look So Sad? It was published by Beyond Words, which is the publisher of The Secret, which many of us have read. He's toured groups locally and internationally to show that autistic people can grow to live happy and successful lives. And this is his quote. As someone who people spent their time trying to change, I see it as my turn now. Attitudes, perceptions, and prejudices need to change, not us. And that is his quote. So Jude, welcome to our show. You know, this touches home because I have a couple of cousins who are autistic. And I think one of the first things that people think about is children, right? Children being autistic. Not so much the, in the adult side. And I know that you work with children and you also work on the adult side. But when we think about autistic children, we think of children that we worry that are they going to be able to function in a corporate atmosphere, in the work atmosphere? And that's really what we're going to talk about today because you've obviously shown that success. And I know that there's misconceptions, there's incorrect stereotypes about autism and autistic people. And I want to make sure that people that own companies, people that have companies don't shy away from hiring someone who is autistic because there is a lot of special talents that everyone brings to the table. And we need to make sure that we're exploring and exploiting all of those talents. So tell us a little bit about your childhood and how you got to this point where you could take this situation that you have been given as a gift from God and taken out into the big bad world. Well, my story growing up as an autistic child in mainstream school, 
it's nothing overly fascinating, to be honest, is that I faced the same challenge as every autistic child and adult faces right now and has ever faced in the fact that I wasn't really accepted for who I was. I would have repeated things under my breath to learn to communicate more effectively, didn't like sitting down in chairs for too long, didn't really like working in groups and was often told that I didn't have the proper social skills or communication skills, again, whatever they are. Right, right. (laughs) I just grew up feeling very much like a broken version of everybody else. Because if you're autistic, the advice, be yourself, doesn't apply to us. Because being autistic in the scary world that we live in is not acceptable in the eyes of many, many people. Because there are a lot of businesses, individuals who seek to diagnose, treat and cure only my early adulthood, I became a social worker, I became a dad, and I had to come to terms with being autistic in adulthood. And I did, eventually, after a lot of hard work and reflection and thought and speaking with other people, looking after my own mind and my own mental health. And whenever I became accepting of the fact that I was autistic, I read into it a little bit more. And the vast majority of information out there is very deficit-based on what we can't do rather than what we can do. Absolutely. I would agree. Yeah. So instead of being a Facebook keyboard warrior and challenging everybody, I decided to start my own movement, which was Neurodiversity Training International. And it's now become the world's fastest growing autistic-led movement for autism education, training and consultancy. So autistic people can work with people, can be social workers, can become CEOs, entrepreneurs and run businesses and form relationships all over the world. So even on Clubhouse, like we, like we mentioned just earlier on, is that I've met many other autistic entrepreneurs there too who have scaled six, seven, eight-figure businesses and have remarkable lives and have defied the stereotypes that exist out there and that we're currently working together on removing. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I love the work that you're doing. Love the work that you're doing. So tell me about neurodiversity. Is this a word that you created just saying, hey, we want the diversity of the neurological acceptance of whatever someone has? Maybe it's someone who stutters. Maybe it's someone who has autism. What is behind that terminology so that I have clarity around that? Neurodiversity it was a word coined by Judy Singer, the lovely Judy Singer. She coined the term. Neurodiversity is it's a movement, really, so to speak, between autistic, ADHD, ADD, dyslexia, where it's more of a social model, where what we try to champion is understanding and acceptance rather than, as I said before, diagnosing, treating and curing. Because with being autistic, for me, it's an identity. It's an integral part of who I am. It's how I see, feel, and interact with the world and everyone around me. And it's something to be proud of. It's something I'm extremely proud of um, with the neurodiversity movement as a whole, with the model of acceptance and understanding. What we all want together is for a wave of children growing up happy and proud and confident of who they are. Because whenever you look at it a bit more closely, is the majority of people have a very, very scary power, Jen, and that power is is that they get to decide who is disordered in comparison to them. What we like to do politely and diplomatically is say, absolutely not. We are not a disordered version of you. We just view the world differently than you, and that's absolutely fine, and that's okay. So that's what neurodiversity is in a nutshell. Yeah, I love that. I love that. So I want to go back to when you were trying to, and I don't mean to say break out. Oh, I don't want to say the wrong words, right? But I breaking out where 
you know, I don't know what you were when you were younger as an autistic person. I mean, I've got a couple of cousins, as I said, and so I know how they act. And it's funny because they act very different, but they're both autistic, right? They're very different in the way that they're acting. And I wonder if some of this is the coddling that, because one is autistic and not, he will always live at home, always live at home. The other is very vibrant, Okay. And I could talk about any of my 37 cousins this way. Okay. <laughs> right above them. But I wonder if there's a coddling effect because he's older than my other cousin who's younger. Is there a coddling effect that was introduced to autistic children back then, back when saying, look, keep them coveted, keep them in a bubble. They're special. You know, they need to have certain things. Do you think that exploited in the reverse side, but exploited his ability to grow that he could have grown much more you know, in that particular case and not knowing how you were, how did you start? Because one of the first things that I know about both of them is they don't look me in the eye, right? They don't look me in the eye. Did you have to train yourself to do that? So there was a double question in there, you know, like what are the impacts of the social surroundings they have? And then what did you do to change some, uh, and I hate saying to change your behavior or anything, but what did you do? Because as I'm talking to you, I would never know you're autistic ever based uh, on exactly my, my on knowledge. That. My knowledge. And the thing is, with autistic people, we're all different. That's why it's called an autistic spectrum. It's not a scale yeah. of severity that goes from left to right, as in less autistics down here, more autistics up here, and right. we are just somewhere in between. We're all completely different. Some of us are very outgoing. Some of us can look people in the eye. Some can. Right. Some function very highly. Some have different care needs. Some have different support needs. But at the same time, we're, we're all in it together and that we're, we're all autistic and we are so different that's why it is a spectrum not a continuum so yeah. to speak very interesting though that you do mention whenever it comes to like a coddling effect it's very difficult to say but think of it this way this is what i always say i think as time has gone on that there has been more of the coddling effect that you are alluding to where there's more of an emphasis on therapy and diagnosing and treating and cure when really we don't want to change for anybody for me the only behavior that i really exhibited was that I suppressed who I was in order to try and put on with my peers. That's called masking. I sort of adopted another personality in order to become what society would seem to be socially acceptable because that's what my existence was like. As in, and and do, that had to be draining. Do, and it is draining. It was draining. It really was. And the bottom line is, is that across, a lot of people will do you. And I have to admit, a lot of well-meaning people that maybe don't know the impact is if you behave a certain way, you will be acceptable to them. And yeah. that's really, really sad. And it's all done in the name of inclusion and trying to have these kids or adults right. fit in. And I suppose the main behavior change I did is that I stopped doing that and I had to become proud and happy and in my own skin, become content and happy in my own skin. And I'm not going to say, oh, society didn't accept me. Society pummeled me and put their foot on my head to keep me down. I was my own worst enemy a lot of the time too. I can yeah. throw my hands up and it meant yeah. just that. But that's yeah. ultimately... But right. I do see my cousin, my, actually my second cousin, but I see my cousin saying, Joey, don't do that. Joey, Joey, don't do that. Joey, don't do that. And I, that concerns me, you know, for his well-being. So, you know, and as I'm thinking through this, I'm thinking, okay, there's a spectrum, right? Of alcoholism right? It's the same thing, you know, is there's this whole thing about alcoholism. You can have a functioning alcoholic and you can have a mess of an alcoholic. You can have a drug addict. You can have a sex addicted person, right? You could have all these things in society. 
I also think that as a whole, we all mask. Don't you think we all mask to a certain extent? Um, I don't know. I think you see me and I think I've been doing my podcast for so long that not just this podcast, but other podcasts for so long that there's no mask on me. I mean, I am who I am. This is who I am when I turn off the camera, you know, everything. I am who I am, but there is a certain amount of masking that happens in society. So how do the people, I'm just going to use some real weird words. So I'm going to use normal people. Okay. Like the normal people go, you're different. You know, you're different. You're not whatever. But if I'm also that person who feels like I'm masking, what is some advice that you can give to all of us to unmask generally just unmask? It's not as simple as just saying unmask or people should just take off the, the mask, so to speak. And this is the whole point of the neurodiversity movement in particular is that society should be so accepting and understanding that the need to mask shouldn't happen anyway. I mean, again, that puts the onus on us to remove a mask rather than putting the onus on everybody else to be understanding so we don't even need to have it. And the difference is that there is a lot of spectrum and variations in a lot of pathologies, whether that is alcoholism or cancer or anything else. Absolutely. I mean, for me, whenever I worked as a social worker, which I did for a long time, I mean, there is very little to nothing meaningful about alcoholism or having cancer. But the difference is with autism is that there is something meaningful about being autistic and that it makes Jude Morrow Jude Morrow. And I'm extremely proud of that. And for so long, I wasn't allowed to be proud of that. And I think everybody should be proud of their identity and who they are and shouldn't feel the need to cover that for anybody. I mean, that's what the problem is. The problem isn't that we mask. The problem is that we feel that we have to in order to fit in with everybody the way society sits right now. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just exasperated in autism as opposed to something else, you know, but I still think the masks exist. Um, Help me... Because I want, I'm curious, right? I'm really, really curious. And I apologize if some of my questions are, you know, I hope they're not hurting anybody's feelings, you know, <laughs> asking these questions because it's just part of the unknown for me, right? This is anything. If you see someone who's in a wheelchair, people tend to, uh, because it's, we don't know how to approach, right? It's that. It's not that I think they're horrible or think anything. It's just the uncomfortableness of knowing how to approach. So, Help us understand how to be accepting of someone who is autistic. And we're talking specifically about that for this podcast. But, you know, if I know that someone's autistic, instead of backing up, how do I move forward? How do I engage with them? How do I ensure that they know that they're comfortable around me so that that uneasiness doesn't happen? It's one of those things. I'm, I'm not really a big believer in energies or anything like that. But whenever it comes to whenever I feel people are staring at me or if I have any quirks because I'm, I'm quite fidgety. I pace up and down. I pick up myself. And I notice that people can often look at me whenever I'm doing that. Hey, I'm fidgety too, by the way. I'm fidgety. <laughs> I get fidgety because I sit here all day in this cockamamie chair. <laughs> I get I get real fidgety uh, as well. You know, there needs to be an understanding. People are different. If, some, if you see someone and they are different, I mean, that doesn't need necessarily need fixed. That doesn't need cure. That's just who they are and to understand that people just interact and see the world in a different way than you do and you know to, to kind of find peace within yourself that that is a reality and I know that so many people have their hearts in the right place whenever it comes to wanting to help people to make people fit in or to cure things that they may be unsettling for them to look at but it's just not true it's not the mindset to have is that some people do the things they do 
and it shouldn't need a cure because people like different sports teams. I don't think, oh gosh, they support the wrong sports team. I need to right. put something in the DSM and get a cure for them. That's exactly the same concept. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I certainly understand that. Okay. So let's make a shift over to what you do for businesses. And I'm going to read what you have here as well, but autism-based businesses and nonprofits are suffering greatly. And you're going to explain why they're suffering greatly. As both an autistic person and a qualified social worker, I transform autism-based nonprofits and businesses with my professional and personal experience. So tell us, one, why are they suffering greatly? And two, what do you do to help them grow? Well, the first thing is, if a business has things like, you know, offensive symbols and terminologies, like a puzzle piece, that's rejected by the autistic community. The lighted up blue thing, also rejected. And what lighted up blue thing? Uh, there's a campaign that's out every year that will be coming up around April. You'll probably see it everywhere. You know, light it up blue for autism awareness month. Oh, okay, uh, okay, gotcha. Uh, it's offensive. So, inequality experienced by autistic women and girls. You know, the color blue, which because I mean, I put the perfect stereotype for autism. Me being a white middle aged bo- or a white middle class boy. So there's a lot of autistic women and girls who are fighting to be recognized because there is a gap in diagnoses and it's it's something that I do want to champion and I want to mention whenever I'm seated at the table because it's a big, big issue. But there's a a medical model whenever it comes to autism and autistic people and a lot of businesses do have that medical model because as time is going on, there's more and more proud autistic voices who are saying, we don't really accept what you're standing for. Mainly a lot of therapy-based centers and therapy-based movements, which is a huge lobby in the US, worth about 15 billion a year. So instead of having an ethos of diagnose, treat, and cure, move businesses into the neurodiversity marketplace with careful branding, strategy, social media outreach, and ultimately having a service that has at the core of their being to promote acceptance and understanding rather than children still growing up feeling like they're a broken version of everyone else. I mean, that's what it was like for me 20 years ago, and it shouldn't be like that for children now. So moving into this new and lucrative neurodiversity market space is going to benefit them greatly because there's two forms of revenue, and I say this all the time. There's your financial revenue and your reputation revenue. So if you have a medicalized kind of treatment program or center or business, your reputation revenue is going down and down and down over time the more people there are like me in the world voicing our concerns and the concerns of the autistic community. But moving into the neurodiversity space is going to massively increase people's reputation revenue, which in time will monetize itself. Yeah, and everything will go up and everything will start going up. Can you give us an example of a client, leave them unnamed, <laughs> but a client that you helped that was just an entrepreneur struggling because, you know, there was this prejudice against their company and people say, oh, don't go there because you might maybe mess up your accounting because they think, you know, whatever anybody thinks. And by the way, my whole perspective is changing, but that prejudice that happens there. So give us an example of what you, and I imagine this person felt really low felt really beat down personally. So what did you do to help them get through that? And what did that transformation look like now? Wow. The first one I can think of, one in particular, is uh, an autism coach uh, that champions autistic women and girls. Um, came through my door and because her programs weren't selling, she couldn't get herself out there in such a way that people would take notice of her, of her programs, what she was doing, endless five-day challenges doing. So what we did together was we got the program nailed down. After that, careful branding, that strategy, that social media strategy, 
what we started to do then was to post uh, webinar classes on the Neurodiversity Training International Eventbrite channels. So people were coming into that. We allowed her to talk about her experience, to give a one-hour free masterclass. And then instead of the old medicalized market that she was targeting, she's targeting the neurodiversity market now. It's been a really, really success story of mine. We're still in great contact. And I just love seeing her grow and grow and grow and grow. Uh, it's been wonderful. So with a couple of coaches and mentors now, and even businesses as well, helping them design courses that are accredited so that they could sell these courses and put them out there with the understanding and acceptance ethos radiating through their training and their brand, rather than autistic people need to be fixed for change. And it's right. paying dividends for them. Right. So just so I'm clear on this. So she's autistic and she was trying mm-hmm. to attract other autistic business owners to coach them. Is that correct? Or was she trying to attract anyone who was interested in neurodiversity so that they could have that in their practice as well? Well, initially what her program sought to do was to go through, it was like a counseling program for autistic teenage girls and young women. But Mm -hmm. what we did with that was we we kept the pillars of the program that she had and really almost like engineered it, tweaked it, made it a little bit sexier from a marketing and branding point of view so that it would have the most impact. What her clientele would be would be parents of autistic teenage girls or even some younger girls and young women who have just received a diagnosis or this new identity and are keen to come to terms with that as her market space and she's thriving in it now. Oh, that's beautiful. That is absolutely beautiful. I love that. So what's left on your bucket list? Wow. My ultimate aim as in life is to have a world where neurodiversity is at the forefront and all of the sad, horrible stereotypes and judgments are a thing of the past. And this new and progressive way of saying autistic people is gifted rather than having deficits is really going to be the way forward because I mean we have the best team ever like if you look back over history some of the most intelligent gifted minds of our time were autistic I mean Einstein, Stanley Kubrick, even Krista Holmans, uh, Marie Curie, Jude Morrow the list is endless. Yeah 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 and I think we all knew that about him you know we knew that about Albert Einstein you know what keeps you going every day? Every day the world's getting a little bit better but the future is getting a little bit brighter for autistic people in the world because it's sad because going back to Einstein, given the way society is now, if Albert Einstein was born today, we wouldn't have special and general relativities. We just would not have them. We wouldn't have the space tenium. We wouldn't have any of those. No, we wouldn't have compound interest. (laughs) Right. We wouldn't have compound interest, right? Yeah, because because someone probably would have told Albert Einstein, stop obsessing about the universe because autistic people apparently have obsessive and repetitive behaviors so somebody would probably have told albert einstein stop doing that but back then he was able to be unapologetically himself and look at the result so whenever autistic people are allowed to be unapologetically themselves wonderful things happen so stop suppressing it i love it and i love the way that you phrase that and that is a perfect way for us to end so what can we do to help you if someone's listening to this one if they're autistic they need to get in touch with you we obviously know that but if they know someone who's autistic or they have an autistic person in their lives how can we help what can we do as for me i'm very much a person of adding value of serving other people and i think if i was to give a real nugget of gold to end the show on is that being autistic is okay It's nothing to be fearful of because even whenever people say to someone else, oh, my child is autistic, it's almost like, oh, gosh, I'm so sorry. 
instead of mm-hmm. saying, oh gosh, I'm so sorry, say congratulations, some of the most gifted people the human race has ever produced have been autistic. Congratulations, uh, what a great club for your child to belong to. Beautiful. Yes, well done. That's beautiful. And I mean, seriously, that is beautiful. I love that. And, you know, that is a 180 degree turn. And, you know, it's something that we all need to be doing in today's world. And I think everyone's more open to it right now. We're very open to the diversity that's happening and we're experiencing in the whole world. So timing couldn't be better. I'm glad that you're at the forefront. I'm glad that you're doing this. And I I love that you became a social worker because there's so much of the the psyche of people in this as well on both sides. And that really makes you a very unique and special person and being able to stick your neck out the way you do to, you know, speak on behalf of an entire group of individuals in the world is just very impressive. And I want to honor and acknowledge you for that, for the work that you're doing. It is very, very important. And I appreciate that you were doing it for everybody and for me too. It's not just for the autistic world, but for everybody. So thank you so much. So what is the best way for everyone to get in touch with you? How do we open those doors? Get in touch with me, whether that's on LinkedIn or Facebook. It's just type my name into LinkedIn, Jude Morrow. I have the most open DMs on the platform. Or uh, reach out to me through my website, which is neurodiversity-training.com. So my door is always open and I am a black belt in responding to people. So I'm easily obtained. (laughs) That's awesome. I love that. I'm a black belt. And we'll have that link here in the uh, show notes as well to make sure that everyone can get in touch with you and that we can start following you. I know I've already started following you. I tend to do that before my interviews uh, to make sure I can start following. So I'm excited to see what's part of that. And I just want to let you know that if there's anything I can do for you, please let me know what I can do to help you with this movement and move everything forward. And I just say, It's so great to have the opportunity to meet with you. And I thank you for being on our show today. Oh, thank you, Jen. And I promise the pleasure was mine. I can't thank you enough. So thank you so, so much. You're welcome. So everybody, thank you so much for joining us today and taking time out of your day to listen to what we have to say about cracking and breaking through glass ceilings, whatever they may be for you or for other people. And I remind you again, if you would please give us a great five-star rating and write a review about what you learned or the thoughts that you had or the one word that you took away with it. Thank you. He's doing five, five, five. They're great five-star review. We don't, we don't ask for one star, right? We want a five-star. So, you know, I really appreciate everybody's time and we'll catch you next time on the next episode. Make it a great week. You've been listening to Success to Significance with Jen Duplessis, the number one podcast for people wanting to give more value and make an impact. Loved this episode? Be sure to subscribe right now at www.jenduplessis.com slash S2S for more stories, strategies, and thoughts to help you gain significance and success. And if you like what we're doing, don't forget to give us a rating and review so we can continue to bring you the best content possible. Join us next week for another breakthrough episode. Thank you for listening.